welcome to Creek Over Coffee. I'm your host, Keith Harrison, and each episode I speak to a fellow teacher from Cherry Creek High School in Colorado about their classroom strategies and experiences. Today we have Emily Cave from the English Department. All right. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Emily. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. I'm excited. Yeah. So uh, in case no one realizes it, today is election day. And also COVID cases are kind of skyrocketing. So it's a bit of an exciting week because we might go into full remote learning sometime soon. But anyway, with that as our background, <laughs> can you tell us what you teach? Yeah. So I teach... Um, Ninth grade English, 11th grade English, and beginning debate this year. So two sections of each one. We're crazy and decided to take an overload this year. So, Are you new to debate or have you been doing it a while? Uh, this is my fifth, fifth year. Sixth uh, year at Creek, so fifth year doing debate. Okay. So, What does that look like when it comes to competing and all of that with, with COVID? It's all virtual Yeah. this year, which is weird. Um, yeah. But they, they did a really nice job of kind of pivoting and making the national tournament in the summer. Um, digital, and so we have a, a decent template to work off of. And so um, October was novice season, so this week will be our first varsity tournament. Okay. See, see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, this seems like something that would lend itself to, to being virtual. Do you, yeah. Do you anticipate any issues, like any forms of communication that are usually there in person that won't be able to happen? I don't know about forms of communication necessarily. It's a little bit funky. Um, so the debates lend themselves pretty well um, to that virtual platform because the kids, even if they're doing a partner debate, um, they can all be in a room together. They can go into a breakout room for their plan time and prep time, which is fine. Um, the speaking events, um, it's kind of kind of different to perform a an interpretation of literature piece um, or a speech without um, getting the audience feedback. And so... Right. That part's been really difficult. Um, our poor duo teams are still can't be like they have to do a simultaneous video mm-hmm. and splice it together, and then um, we play recorded videos of the students during the ter- during the rounds instead of it being live. Okay. Um, so just finding students and, and making sure that they have access. Um, we've ha- had a lot of talks around access and equity to the <clears throat> different pieces of the the platform and, and do we have good access for internet? If I am debating from home, can I come into the school to access internet and how do we do that safely? And so, um, access and equity has been, has been a big conversation, not just at Creek, but across the state. So, right. Yeah. yeah our robotics club, um, is, is in, you know, obviously a bit of trouble with, yeah. with stuff having to be online and we're meeting in person right now, but if we go remote, we won't be able to do that. And, you know, hats off to first robotics that have, have tried to come up with some virtual stuff that we can do. Yeah. Which is nice to kind of keep the kids involved. Yeah. I'm yeah. one of the co-sponsors of National English Honor Society, um, too. And we expanded from like eight kids last year to like 180 this year. Oh, wow. Which is huge and great. Um, but trying to find like virtual service projects, because mm-hmm. um, we've only been re- meeting remotely, has been um, tough. But our our officers have been wonderful about Trying to find things that are purposeful and meaningful. Well, it's nice that numbers are up, right? That yeah. Even despite all of this, people are still enthusiastic and yep. wanting to take part. Yep, most definitely. That's been fun. So, how how have things been going in general? Like, um, especially with teaching English, um, how has how have classes been going with the the blended schedule? Um, it, it depends on the class and the cohort 
cohort. I am. I have an odd split of kids. Like I have one cohort of five, and then I have a cohort of like nineteen. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's. I knew it was going to be more more planning on my end, um, but didn't realize that I was essentially like quadrupling <laughs> the amount of work that I was doing. Um, so it depends. Um, some classes are having really wonderful conversations in person. Some classes are doing really great things online. Um, some kids are struggling and some kids are, are flourishing. And I think it speaks a lot to the variety of students that we have, um, especially at the CP level. Um, I love teaching CP9 and I love teaching CP11. And so to see kind of where I can take things that I've done in the past and tweak them to work has been exciting. But I, I'll be honest, I think the best part of this year is that I have pared things way down um, and and have focused in on, on the essentials. Um, and I think those essentials are the things that all of my kids have latched onto. And so things like being able to choose a book of my own to read, um, instead of just doing assigned class novels. Like I have kids who came into the year saying they didn't, hadn't read a book in three, four years, um, to completion. And they've read five or six books in a term, um, of their choice. And so are they reading all classical literature? No. Um, but we're still doing that and looking at those classical pieces. And so that's been, it's, it's been nice to see them kind of find their own way in the reading world. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and that brings me to a couple of things about your, your teaching practices, because I, I had the, the privilege of observing you, uh, I think it was last year, right, as part of our learning lab yeah. deal. Um, and one of the things you did was kind of a check-in with, mm-hmm. with students at the beginning of the class. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I, especially last year, and I, I've tweaked things this year due to COVID stuff, but um, I did, I do daily conferences um, and just kind of on a rotating basis with my kiddos to check in on how their reading go is going, which is um, kind of the, the premise of it. How's your book and what are you noticing and how can I check in about how we can grow your life as a reader and how you can find the next challenge, um, which is great. But it also helps me have those one-on-one conversations with kids that I don't know that I would have any other way. Um, and this is now year three or four that I've been doing these one-on-one conferences, and it makes a world of difference. I don't meet with every student daily. I probably, in our 10 minutes of read time and conference time at the beginning of the class, I maybe meet with three or four um, each day. But that means that I'm getting to everybody within the month, um, typically. Um, this year, it depends, again, on the cohort. Yeah. Like, my, my class of five, we now, I only do it every other day so that they're not talking to me every <laughs> single day. Um, but I, my larger cohorts, I mean, I'm, I'm getting through everybody in, in a month, maybe five weeks. Um, and, and the thing yeah. you mentioned there as well is that while you're meeting with, with a particular student, mm-hmm. the, the rest of the students are reading, right? So you actually yeah. have built-in time to read in class? Yep. Ten minutes at the beginning of class every day. Um, I call it our sacred time. And it's just a chance for students, I, not just to read, because, of course, that's, right, we're teaching English and that's, like, the game plan. But um, it's a chance for kids to kind of, I think, disengage from the rest of what's going on in their life and and escape into something that is totally different. Um, so I I usually prompt them to escape into the world of their book for 10 minutes um, because I think they need that escape. And as much as we like to think that we get that from TV and movies, I, it doesn't have that same calming effect. And so um, it's really neat. This year I have I've noticed kids engaging more with that time um, in actual reading and less kids 
doing what we call fake reading, like staring off into nowhere and then like just turning their page when I look over at them. Um, Cause I think they need that escape. Like they want, they want to read about something else. That's not something that they're personally dealing with. Yeah. I'm sure it helps to have the structure as well. Cause mm-hmm. I, mean, I know personally, I find it hard to just have the discipline to, yeah. to put down the phone and put, you know, step away from the TV and actually just take, take the book out and read. Yep. A hundred percent. Um, and, and to have a paper book too. I, mm-hmm. I love my Kindle, but, <laughs> but there's something about having a paper book in your hand. And so I require for class that they have the physical book. Like they're welcome to listen to audio with it, or they are welcome to whatever when they're at home. Um, but for those couple of days when we're in class, like you got to have the physical thing, yeah. something about paper and the smell of a good book. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, they have, you say they have choice as to what books they pick. And then mm-hmm. part, part of your purpose with the check-in is to, is to see how their reading is going. So is yeah. that, is that basically the way you tell whether they're actually reading the book or not? Because presumably yeah. you, you haven't read necessarily all the books they're reading, right? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I've, I've probably read, read far fewer than, um, than I'd like to admit to. Um, they've got really wide and varying tastes. I've got some kid reading about some research that's going on in the Galapagos this year. I'm like, I have no idea what you're reading, but great. It's cool. Um, and so, yeah, the, the check-in is to see what they're reading and then how are they challenging themselves, right? Like we don't want to be reading diary of a wimpy kid, um, at, at the junior, junior level. Um, and so it's a check-in to see how they're doing with whatever book they're currently reading. But then for me to see where do they maybe need to be pushed next? Do I need to push them to choose something with a different content as their next book? Or do I need to choose, uh, push them to explore a new genre or a new author or, oh my gosh, this kid finally found a book that he likes. I can recommend three more that are similar to keep him reading. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's a check-in to see how much they're reading and how the, like, if they're doing it. Um, but it's as much a check-in for how do we, how do we move forward as it is to check in and see how they're doing in the moment. Right. And is your focus primarily on fiction or do you basically completely open it up? So if they want to read a book about physics, Mm -hmm. you know, then they can. Yeah. No, they can. I, I just tell them it has to be something that they're interested in and it has to challenge them. Um, and I kind of break it down. Does it challenge you in your reading level? Does it challenge you in the content? Um, does it challenge you in branching out in genres or authors? Um, so how is it challenging you? And they, they reflect on that in our daily writing stuff too. So how are we, how am I challenging myself? So what, every couple of weeks we, that's one of their writing prompts is how am I challenging my reading today? Um, so I have kids, uh, the kid who's reading um, about some research that's going on in the Galapagos. I have no clue where he got this book, but he's like super into it. Um, I have, I, last year I had a kid who wanted to read a bunch of different books about different car mechanics. He was doing the mechanics program over at CCIC. And so like supplemental things to what he was doing in class, he was reading about all these different mechanical techniques and whatnot. Um, and so I learn about all these different things from them too. And so I have kids who read nonfiction. I have kids who read fiction. I have kids who are reading graphic novels. Um, and they're always surprised when they realize that they can read a graphic novel and that is a novel. Um, but we, we take time in class to, uh, to look at different genres of text. And so we'll look at a graphic novel and talk about how the pictures are actually a different form of literacy and how do we use those pictures to, to further what we would consider a, a traditional literacy too. Right. So I suppose the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words sometimes comes up. <laughs> yes, most definitely. <laughs> Um, let's switch to debate for a second. So I'm assuming yeah. there's an actual debate period where kids show up. And so what, what, what does a debate class look like? 
Um, well, our class, we cover all of the events that you would do for um, competitive speech and debate. So um, we start the year with congressional debate. So kids write their own bills and then they do a mock Congress, um, which is cool, um, especially in an election year. Like there's always something a little bit more special about the years that are election years um, because of the conversations that we get to have surrounding like not necessarily the candidates, but the the way things are done. Um, and it makes it just feel a little bit more real and purposeful. Um, so we start with Congress, but then we do interpretation of literature. So you choose a book and you're acting out all of the parts on your own. Um, so I'm playing multiple characters over the course of a five minute piece, 10 minute piece. Um, this week we're starting public forum debate. So it's a partner debate. So they're going to research four different resolutions and, um, different topics ranging anywhere from, um, global issues to local issues, um, that they'll develop those research skills for, um, so this week we're, we're introducing and we're having research time. So they'll have research time. They have time where they'll write cases, um, where they work with a partner to look at those and revise. Um, and then we come into class and this year it'll be digital um, and in-person, I hope. Um, but they come in and they'll, they'll do debates for each other. Um, so two pairs will or two teams will debate. Another team will be the judge um, and give them feedback on the round and decide who wins. And we have what we call the debate-o-rama. Um, so it's like a, a March Madness bracket where we whittle down to oh, the, wow. the top two teams. So it sounds like they're getting some really, really important life skills mm -hmm. through this. Yeah, I I tell my kids like the first day of school that when I did speech and debate when I was in high school, I then put it on my resume when I graduated from high school and I got more job interviews and, and offers from having, I just did speech and debate on my resume um, than anything else. And it's because they know that you've developed those critical thinking skills and the ability to talk with and t in front of people. Um, and the research side of it as well. And yeah. this, this whole, you're understanding how the government works as a result, you know, by taking part in that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a wide breadth of knowledge. And I think those students who choose to take um, speech and debate want to challenge themselves. Um, and, and I think they end up getting challenged in ways that they didn't necessarily anticipate when they first join the class which is cool so cool yeah well thanks i i think i'm out of questions anything anything else you want to share go vote if you haven't already <laughs> absolutely go vote other than that i hope we're hope we're staying in person a little longer but yeah yeah we'll do what we can right indeed yeah and hopefully if we go remote it'll just be for a couple of weeks but fingers we'll, crossed. we'll see <laughs> all right thanks emily yeah Appreciate for sure it. That's fine.